0: Hey everyone, welcome to Woodycast Interview Number Two. Uh, a little bit of feedback last week's chat with Ironman great George Haynes, We got uh, some incredible feedback and uh, some really good messages from everybody. So I'm really, really stoked that uh, the people love that interview and and they love George as well. It was nice to get behind the scenes and just see exactly what makes makes him tick. This week, um, you're going to love this guy. He is a super local. He's a He's a fierce Brit, and he's uh, he's the man behind the, the wetsuit industry in our sport. Uh, please sit back and enjoy my chat with Malcolm Ball. Right, they're making the snug movie. Who's playing
1: Malcolm Ball? Got to be James Bond, it?
0: Look a bit like him, actually.
1: Has <laughs> anyone ever said that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, look, um, I really appreciate you giving me some time today, and uh, it's if you just let's just you formally introduce yourself to the audience.
1: Right. Well, I'm Malcolm Ball. I am the founder and owner of Snug Wetsuits since uh, I started it in 1982, and
0: I'm in my 60th year. Okay, it's a pretty cool name for a wetsuit, Snug. Yeah. Where'd that come from?
1: Well, in my opinion, that's how wetsuits should fit. You know, I used an extra G just to separate it from just snug. But, yeah, a wetsuit should fit in a snug manner. If it's too tight, it's inconvenient. If it's too loose, then you, you're sharing your wetsuit with half the ocean. And, it, you know, that's not that's no good either. So, snug is how a wetsuit should fit.
0: Yeah, well, we're, we're coming to you from the uh, Snug factory in Newquay, and uh, it's for a, for a wetsuit factory, it's pretty pretty well placed because uh, if if people don't not familiar with the town of Newquay, uh, it's a one way system here. And if you follow the, down the hill, uh, the snug is at the the bottom of the hill, and you turn left out the front door, and you've got the world famous break of Fistral Beach. Or you turn right, and you can walk down to Newquay Harbour and um, and to Town Bay, which is just absolutely fantastic place to to have a factory position that does wetsuits.
1: Yeah, and, and it's been a progression. So I started on the other side of uh, Newquay. Well, I actually started in Bodmin in 82, in my kitchen. Uh, that's where my first snug wetsuit was ever made, was in, in my kitchen. Uh, but I I'm, I rented a small place at the top of Trenounce Hill uh, back in the uh, early 80s, and that's where snug wetsuits properly started in Newquay. And then I moved to above a... Um, a surfboard factory called Vitamin C Surfboards and I was there for a few years before I moved into Wesley Yard which is in the middle of town and I've been here now on the back of Fistral for the last 16 years. So I'm getting closer to the beach so in 10 years time I fully expect to actually have a hut on the beach making wetsuits.
0: (laughs) So what what age were you when you started?
1: So when I started uh, Snug Wetsuits I was 24.
0: Right, and what did you do before that?
1: Well, before that, I was at Goal Wetsuits, and I'd started at Goal Wetsuits when I was 19. Uh, Before that, I I lived uh, nearer London, and I was in retail, uh, or learning retail, Uh, but I started surfing real young, and I ended up, within a matter of months, wanted to just disappear to a surfing destination, and Newquay was that destination. Um, and I, I was offered a job at Gull Wetsuits, which I took up, and uh, the rest is sort of history, really. So, 77, I moved down, um, and started snug in 82.
0: Well, in particularly in my sport, which is surf lifesaving, uh, any, any carnival, surf carnival you go to throughout the, throughout the summer, or any, any competition you go throughout the winter, there's an abundance of snug wetsuits on the line. Um, So something's gone pretty right for you.
1: Yeah, so in the surf lifesaving, I think I'm probably right in saying that certainly in Europe, I am the only company that specializes and has a particular range for surf lifesaving, designed specifically for surf lifesavers, not for surfers that surf lifesavers can use or for triathletes or windsurfers. They're specifically surf lifesaving suits. You know, we our, our probably our most popular suit we call it an Ironman suit, and it's got nothing to do with triathlon. The Ironman was around in surf lifesaving terms well before triathlon turned up with the, the, the using that particular phrase. Um, so I they own it now. <laughs> they, they own it. It's a brand, exactly that. Yeah. But it's still a sport, and in surf lifesaving, it it means four disciplines. You know, and you've got to be good at those four disciplines. Um, And with certain areas of surf lifesaving, somebody might be a good runner or a good paddler or a good swimmer. So that doesn't necessarily mean it's the same wetsuit, but you might need something that's a hybrid that you can use for all those different disciplines. So that's where it really started. And obviously we've improved things and we now have more competition related suits. Um, so that's one of the reasons why you'll see a lot of snug, uh, all, all certainly in GB, that you you'll see just my suits, and and the other suits that you may see are probably not specific. They're probably just they'll probably be surfing suits.
0: So back you move back to the '80s when you when you decided was was the the want to start snug was that because you felt that there was nothing on the market which was which was good enough?
1: Oh no, it was much more. Um, personal reasons, I wanted to go surfing every winter. So I wanted to disappear for two or three months. And my method was I would, because I knew about wetsuits, so I started making wetsuits as made to measures. But to make ends meet, I was also polishing surfboards and working in a local surf shop, small surf shop. Uh, That made ends meet and I would disappear for the winter months because there's very little going on. And, uh, you know, the sports that I'm involved with were not the sports that they are now. I mean, they're much bigger, you know, and they're much, probably more professional, I'd say.
0: So back in those days, what was the main wetsuits that the, the surfers in Yuki were? In?
1: Well, gold wetsuits were the main, it was the big brand. In fact, uh, it, through the late 70s and early 80s, gold wetsuits were probably, they were in the top six manufacturers in the world. Um, so they were a big company in, in wetsuit terms. Um, uh, there was also Tiki wetsuits, Alder um, wetsuits, uh, solar wetsuits, came a bit later, in fact, because I started before solar did. Um, and so, but gradually, all these big manufacturers or mass producers, um, they, they started moving their production to Asia, um, which left a niche in the market for me. Because I concentrate on doing made-to-measure wetsuits, which is what I did at Gold Wetsuits as well. So I would do the made-to-measures, you know. So I'd take maybe a standard size pattern, and then but make that to the size of somebody. You know, I mean, a lot of people are fairly generic in their size, but you, you, you There's always tall, skinny people, short, fat people, and you know, and and in between.
0: Is that the unique selling point of of? Snug. I mean, yeah. like companies like Gull, they've extended their product mix, haven't they? Yeah, they've moved away from being specifically about wetsuits, and that's that's your that is your USP. Yeah,
1: yeah. There's one other guy that makes uh, wetsuits in Wales, a guy called Greg Owen uh, at No Limits, um, but he's uh, we don't get to see those down here. But I'm, as far as I know, in the sports that I do, I'm the only person who makes them in the whole of Europe now, so if you want a made to measure wetsuit or if you want something different with colors of your choice, you know, it's something I can do and you don't have to wait months and months for it, you know, and, and, and it's available. So if you went to, you wouldn't get that, say with a top branded wetsuit that we all know the top brand, your O'Neill's, your Rip Curls. Uh, they are, you can't go and say, I want this to fit me perfectly, but I want that color instead of that color. It's not gonna happen. So, you, you get what you're given, you take it off the hanger and you take it out of the shop. Here, you can get the colour you want. Talk to us
0: about neoprene. Like, coming from Australia, um, I didn't really, I didn't actually really own a wetsuit until I arrived here, and now I obviously live in one. Uh, and I, I just, the thing that blew me away when I really started to wear them a lot was, was now the flexibility and the, the movement. It's, it's, you know, a five mil, five, five mil body, three mil arms. It's, it's so easy to do everything in, you know? Yeah. But and yeah. That's, that, has that been the, what's been the biggest change in neoprene o, o, over, the, over the years?
1: Well, it, and it is the flexibility. And my winter suit, when I was working at Goldwet Suits, was an all-six mil made of um, petroleum-based neoprenes. And there was a range of maybe four colours that you might have. And it was an all-six mil. Uh, when I say all-six mil, I'm talking arms, underarms, legs, the whole thing. You could stand it up against a wall. It was that thick. It kept you warm and you went surfing. I mean, how we managed to do it back then, I have no idea. So, neoprene then was a one-type neoprene. Now we get different blends of neoprene for different purposes. You can get aerated neoprene for flotation and heat, and you can get denser but more flexible neoprenes that are more like chewing gum. And there's and there's in betweens as well.
0: Are they, where are they sourced from? Are they, when you when you guys used to use the six mil, was have they all been still sourced from the same place? Where, where do they actually, where's neoprene made? Where's it come
1: from? Right. Well, um, neoprene initially was made in America, and it comes out of that sort of World War Two thing with divers of neoprene, and I th- it's a Dupont product. So initially it came from Dupont, and they made the initial uh, start of neoprene. And there's conjecture who made the first wetsuit. It's either Jack O'Neill or one of the body glove guys. And they're, they're, they've been arguing over that for years, but they're all dead now, so they can stop arguing about it. So you, you were buying from the US? No, no. So uh, from the US, we, we used to use Rubitex, which was a well-known brand at the time. But in the UK, there was two producers of neoprene. Uh, Sorbo and, and St Albans rubber companies and they, their main business was the automotive uh, business so they were building seals um, and making all these things out of neoprene. Um, there are other things that are made of neoprene that aren't wetsuits so if you ever go to a travelator on, on a, uh, at an airport the rubber that's on that travelator that's neoprene so there are other uses for neoprene that is blended in a different way.
0: And, and nowadays,
1: do you, it's is it sourced from Asia? Yes. So I, I get all my neoprene from uh, Japan, a company called Yamamoto. But there are there are many um, suppliers, uh, and they're mainly all Asian based. Uh, there might be one other supplier, and, and that's in Germany, but I don't know them.
0: And do you buy um, in US dollars?
1: No, I buy in in I I, I buy in yen actually. So because uh, I, I go to Japan I, I just I, you know, I pay them in yen so it's just a conversion from pounds to sterling
0: so um, take me through the, uh, the growth in like surfing back in the 80s to surfing now like it's, it's obviously a huge increase
1: yes and, and that's just volume of people I mean the volume of people from when I started surfing and previous to me um, has gone from you know, maybe dozens of people in the water to hundreds to thousands and tens of thousands. And that's in the UK. And we're not known as a surfing nation as such. But you, you go elsewhere. You go down to France. Uh, you go down through Europe. Um, and even now, I mean, I go to Morocco on and off and I'll have holidays or surf trips down there and stay with some of the guys I know down there. And from the days when I would surf Anchor Point with five or six other guys, there's now a hundred guys out at Anchor Point. And there might be a hundred guys out at the next break and the next break. And it's the volume of people that are surfing now. It's, it is a major sport worldwide. It's not just really Australia and, and America and Hawaii. Um, it's, it's just huge everywhere. Wherever there's a wave... There's there's a load of surfers these days.
0: Um, just tell me about uh, so you've I mean just really interested in the in the, in the business side of, of snug. So you you started a, 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 effectively what was a one man business. Yes. So how did you grow that? Like the first suit you made, you probably wore yourself. Um, how did you grow that? Was there, was, was, there, was there a strategy to grow it, or was was it an organic was an organic growth? One, then two, then three, then four.
1: Well, it's very organic. I, I started on um, I started snug on five hundred pounds, and with that, I bought a, a sewing machine or a blind stitch machine. I bought glue and neoprene with that five hundred pounds, and that was the start of snug wetsuits. And I made one for myself. I, I made four wetsuits initially, uh, and they took ages because there were certain things I couldn't do that I had to self learn. So. I knew the cutting because that's what I did. I knew I knew patterns so I I could do that. But gluing, machining, I I had to self t- teach myself all of this so I could
0: And there was no YouTube.
1: No, no. No, there was there was no such thing as a computer then. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Nowadays uh, we could just look look it up and
1: Yeah, you can. It's amazing. In fact, I use YouTube now because there's some of the machines that I'm, I I forget how they're supposed to be all uh uh, threaded up and you go on youtube and you just put the thing in and it comes out bang there you go easy uh, back then it was trial and error and if- so what was the time scale between
0: you know wanting to start investing the 500 getting the machine and then and then getting you know the first suit out what's what was the time time scale there
1: oh i i'd say from when i got the first neoprene probably a couple of months and then and that was my wetsuit
0: and that was snug your brand was snug then
1: yeah that was snug with the polar bear, which I should say is, the reason I use the polar bear is it's the warmest looking animal in the coldest of conditions, hence the polar bear. And it was about keeping people warm in the water. You know, it's not about hot countries. You know, it's about keeping people warm in the water. Um, So, snug, I remember the first order I had was from Smile Surf Shop, which is a local shop, and they ordered four wetsuits. And I think they ordered them because I worked in Smile Surf Shop. And I think they ordered them just to keep me happy. They felt sorry for you. They felt sorry for me. And that was my (laughs) first order. So, uh, and I made them and gradually my friends, they would have wetsuits off me. So so the name gradually sort of, like you say, organically it went out. So you don't make money out of friends, as most people know, you you know, but the knowledge, because at the time I, I was just I was probably competitive in surfing at my level, but you know, at the level of those times. So I, I was sort of known around, uh, and also with the golf thing as well. So I, I was known. The people I knew were known. We were all a bit competitive, so we were travelling around Cornwall, Wales, and Devon, uh, doing our surfing. And gradually, the snug name popped up in places, and then people said, "Well, I can get hold one of them." So it was very organic. It wasn't, it was probably maybe three or four years in before I would put maybe my first advert in what would have been the original wavelength advert. You know, that would have been the the original one uh, with John Conway at the time and Jeff Tideman.
0: So how many years was it just surfers? Because, I mean, triathlon started in you know, whatever it was, the eighties. Oh, no, it was about the same time, wasn't it? The yeah. 80s, but so, tri- see, wetsuits were never—they weren't used they weren't in used triathlon. in triathlon. And no. I, I can remember the first time I'd ever used a triathlon uh, a wetsuit in triathlon was uh, back back in Aussie, and it was the New South Wales Long Course Championships. And there was a local guy in Northern Beaches who started a, a wetsuit company called Lightfoot. Name was Jan Lennars. and um, Jan, uh, I hope you're well, buddy. If you're out there somewhere, <laughs> and yeah, he gave me a long john to wear, and I was sort of a in, in triathlon, I was more of a distance sort of guy, but I was more of a second group sort of guy, you know, like I yeah. wasn't ever really good enough to swim in the lead group. I wore this wetsuit this particular day. It was It was New South Wales long course championship. It was out in the west of Sydney, and, and the swim was held in this like big dam. And mate, I was just cruising along in the lead group with this wetsuit on. And you know, there was only a handful of guys in the race had wetsuits. I just couldn't understand. I just could not believe how quick it made me swim. You know, yeah. And there was nothing about keeping warm. It was just, you know, it, it was flotation. A, it was a flotation thing, you know. And it's yeah. just suddenly become massive. I mean, that's obviously the introduction of triathlon, a lot like the bike industry, has mm. has helped guys like you, surely.
1: Oh yes. I mean, like, uh, I mean, when we, I, I did my first ever triathlon in about eighty-seven. And I, the guys that I made wetsuits the year before were the world modern pentathlon champion and also a guy that represented Britain in triathlon, but Olympic distance. And uh, they came and they said, ah, right, can you make us a swim wetsuit? So there wasn't anything around, really.
0: Mm. There,
1: was a, there was a company from America called Quintana Roo. Yep. And they were probably, they were the big shake at the time. Yeah, they they had most of the, most of the good American guys were in Quintana Roo. Exactly. Yeah, and and they were using Rubitex near print, so American near print. and I started making. A, well, I made wetsuits for these two guys. They said to me, "These are the best wetsuits we've ever seen." So my knowledge of making wetsuits through surfing and knowing that surfing is about flexibility as well. So they they thought they were brilliant. So. Then they happened to know the guy that was the editor and owner of the only triathlon magazine at the time, which was 220. And it was in black and white, and it was like a very old-fashioned style magazine. And this guy, John Lilly, he phoned me up, and he said, will you do me an advert for a wetsuit? So the, the barter system. And I went, really? I, I said, I, I, don't, I only like money for wetsuits, really. I don't want to do a barter thing. Anyway, he ground me down. I said, yeah, all right. I said, but if I don't sell anything off this advert, I said, I said you'll have to pay me at, at least the cost of the wetsuit. So anyway, the, the advert went in. Within a month, I'd sold 250 triathlon suits off that one advert. So
0: How did you know it was from that advert?
1: Because nobody else would have known about it <laughs> except from that advert. It wasn't like, oh, you can go online there was no such thing as going online. You know, The magazine came out and every triathlete of the time, and there probably was only 10,000 triathletes maybe in the country back then. There's probably hundreds of thousands now. But then most of them would have either seen it or bought, subscribed to that mag. And they saw the fact that they could get a made-to-measure wetsuit made in Britain. And we sold 250 wetsuits off that first advert. And that's that's probably the only advert I've ever done where I can actually go, that was brilliant. You know, like a lot of adverts, you never know what they're doing for you, but that particular advert, it was bang on.
0: Do you remember what year that was?
1: That was 1988.
0: So you've been up for six years at that stage?
1: Yes, yeah, yeah. But I, I had actually made some swimsuits prior to that, but not for triathletes, but for surf lifesavers. Because they wanted to extend their season, because back then, you know, like you, you know, you wore a pair of speedos in the water, or if you're, you'd wear, a, you know, you'd wear a costume. You you wouldn't be allowed to wear wetsuits back then. Thirteen degrees, bang, no wetsuits allowed, uh, and and that's what surf saving was about. And uh, so, I'd already made a few wetsuits for guys that maybe they were guarding um, and they said, right, I want to keep the swimming going, but I can't swim in, in our waters um, it, it, deeper into the season or earlier into the season. So I'd made a few wetsuits for swimmers and they weren't just sort of, uh, they were sort of based really on a surfing suit, but all smooth skin. Mm. So they were that type of thing. And so I, I already had a bit of knowledge on the swimming side. Uh, but what helps me is the fact that I've been a triathlete since you know I did my first triathlon in '87, so uh, I, I had knowledge from my own purpose. And and as a as a novice triathlete, you sort of want more from your wetsuit, or you know what you want from a wetsuit.
0: Yeah. So were you able to when you when you had an order for two hundred and fifty? Was that was that difficult to to oh yeah to supply? Oh yeah. Because you went from, from what to 250?
1: Yeah, nothing. Well, nothing, yeah. Well, I mean, we were still making surfing suits. And it was so... just you though, still? No, no, oh. no. So then, uh, by then, I, I probably had, I, want to, I had two guys, or girls, uh, gluing wetsuits and two machinists. By the end of that year, I had increased my workforce by 50%, which took us up to 10. <laughs> But that that so we we had to do that because it, it suddenly became very busy. And the following year, the triathlon suits uh, started to represent a high percentage of what I was doing.
0: So 250 in in approximately in in 1988. It, what was yeah. what was the
1: growth from that point? Well, I I probably quadrupled that in in the second year, um, and since then um, I probably we still make a thousand triathlon suits a year, out of we make maybe three to four thousand suits a year depending on the type how big they are small you know and, and the style of the suit some are quicker some are slower um, so it, it represents between about 25 to 30 percent of our overall turnover so it, it's a good thing to get into
0: when I come in here and I, I talk to you and um, you like you're you, super easy to talk to but I get, I get a sense that you are you're, you're quite passionate about this, yeah. About snug and about, and I know that you you absolutely care about. You know, if I come in and say, "Oh, yeah, Malcolm, what do you want to get a suit to do?" Ironman, you know, surf calendars. You, you absolutely care, you know, and I think that's, I think that's an important part of your business.
1: Yeah, I and and I do, and you know, I'll tell people, and sometimes I think, "Oh, are they taking me seriously?" Because I'll say to them. I, you need to be happy with the wetsuit that you're buying off me because i said i don't want people out there that aren't happy with the wetsuit because that happens and and it and it happens to snug wearers you know i'll get people coming in and people that maybe have had suits and they said this isn't good enough and i'm devastated and I, but i have to deal with it and i have to put it right and it's i still think it's how you put something you know when things are going well you don't really know much about what goes on, but when things are going bad, it's how you deal with the bad. And, and, and that's how we deal with it. You know, and, and, you know, occasionally, I mean, I've probably sold, well, maybe hundreds of thousands of wetsuits over the years, but I've only ever refunded five. Because everybody else, I mean, I wouldn't like to say everyone else has been super happy with the suits, but in the main, they must have been pretty happy with the suits. You know, like I, I still have people coming in and saying, oh, I bought this wetsuit, and it's been brilliant five, six years later. And, and I, but I, oh, I went and bought someone else's wetsuit. And, uh, but when it started getting cold, I had to go back to me old snug, cause it was warmer. And you know, that sort of thing puts a smile on my face. That's great. So what,
0: after 30 or 40 years in the game, what does fire you up? What gets you excited?
1: Design still, you know, like if, If I'm designing something and I want to come up with a completely new concept of something, and it doesn't happen that often because, you know, like the markets tend to, you know, like something will happen and you go, oh, I'm behind the ball. So I've got to catch up. And that catch up is exciting because you've got to work out a way of doing something and then hopefully improving that because you just don't want to do the same as everybody else because there's no point in that. And, and although everything, maybe visually they look the same, but the quality has always got to s- stand that test of time. And, and that's probably where I am with Snug. You know, it, it's, I, th- I think you're only as good as your last wetsuit and, and that's a good thing to be really.
0: So what's the percentage of business, surfing, triathlon, Surf, life-saving, ocean swim, that topic. What's the percentage there? Where, where are
1: we at? Yeah, well, the, the surfing thing is, is a difficult one because it, is surfing suits are generic surface sports wetsuits. And there's lots of people that will be doing all sorts of things that relate to a surfing wetsuit. So the surfing wetsuits it probably represent well in excess of 50% of our business. Oh, still? Yeah, yeah. And, but we, thrown into that, we also make wetsuits for films. So we make flesh-coloured wetsuits for very well-known actors you know we've done quite a few and that again is a surface sport wetsuit but it is skin coloured so you know we'll do that type of thing Um, and then surf life saving is again sort of related to surfing because it it is a generic it's yeah it has to be tough like a surfing suit but it has to be flexible like a triathlon suit and Surf Lifesaving now represents quite a high level of, of my business. You know, I, I look after the clubs um, in as much as I give them a percentage, you know, if they're affiliated to a club, um, certainly in the Cornish, Welsh, and, and the Devon area, and some of the Dorset clubs, quite a few Dorset clubs uh, that are cropping up now as well. So that, it, it's, it's a very big part of my thing, and, and it's word of mouth. In Surf Fly Saving, that has got me there. You know, there isn't a magazine out there, Surf Fly Saving News, is there? As far as I know. No, apparently
0: so, there's a really nice, real good blog uh, podcast that just started. Really? Yeah. You know, yeah. Who does that? Anybody <laughs> we know? <laughs> anyway, um, where do. what like from from your uh, position as, a, as obviously a business owner of a, of a wetsuit company, Is it easy? Where do you sit with uh, with sponsorship of athletes, as opposed? What's what's the best way that you can uh, increase turnover? Is it is it advertising or is it sponsorship? And what's your thoughts on
1: sponsorship? Right. Well, my looking at it from a snug point of view is different to say a big brand point of view. So, a big brand point of view is looking for results. You know, they want their people to be the top people in their sport and they will pay handsomely for that. Um, from a snug point of view, I can't, I, I don't have the, um, the resources to put a lot of money into sponsorship, um, you know, we, we control what we do. Uh, I mean, the queen, she pays for her Rolls Royces. Now you'd think that she'd be a pretty good advert for a Rolls Royce she pays for them. And and I sort of have that feeling about things, but we do look after guys, you know, surfing, surf life saving and triathletes. But uh, th- when it comes to expense money, that that's where it loses out.
0: So it's it's mainly a product sponsorship.
1: Yeah, product sponsorship. Now, if I was someone looking for sponsorship we, whichever sport that would be and they're looking to have a wetsuit, I'd be saying to them, "Well, what can you give me?" Because they're there's results are one thing, but are people likely to buy a product because that person is wearing it or using it? So, so it's very
0: hard to, to um, quantify or to, yeah.
1: To, so I look at the the people that are respected within the sport, you know, and are they're not flyby nights. They've been in there. They've been in the sport and. They, they wouldn't be wearing a snug wetsuit unless they could trust it and they could rely on, on that product to do what it needs to do. And so I'll look after certain people that people look up to. Might not be competitively at the top of their, their game, but they might have been w- in one time. So, but, so that would be in the surfing side and the triathlon side. In surf lifesaving, however, it's not such a big professional sport. It's quite small. In our field, we see a lot of it, but you, you go to Manchester, you won't see many surf lifesaving clubs. You know, and it's very much a localised thing. So although we have a lot locally, so it means I can look after the top guys. You know, Misha Wardman, uh, George and Charlie Haynes. The, these guys come to us. Previous to that, it was Nick Thorne. You know, there was Glyn Eldridge. There's, uh, you know, there's a whole bunch of guys. Matt Thomas, my, he was a legend. He was on the first ocean series. You know. T-
0: I think it's official. Misha Warman has more wetsuits than
1: you've got. Yeah, no, that's quite possible. In fact, I I need to borrow a couple back. Yeah.
0: Who's your fi- Who is the favorite sponsored athlete you've ever had?
1: What well, apart from Misha? Yeah. Apart from Misha. <laughs> 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 um, Mark Jenkins, I think. He went to the Olympics as a triathlete and he was a gentleman, you know, and he's, he's always come back to me, he's always been a friend and, you know, he's moved on into a different level, you know, his wife became world champion and, and it was just, but he's still, you know, he's one of those guys, he was, he was, he was unnaturally good looking, you know, it, it was just, so it, it was very good while we had him on, <laughs> on board with the wetsuits. He bought a board from me as well. Did he? Yes, he did. Right, and I believe he's doing surf life-saving again because he's he's one of the Welsh legends, isn't
0: he? He is absolutely. He's a member of uh, Pennymot. Yeah. Uh, so where do you where where do you see the brand heading? You know, one year from now. Do you
1: do you plan ahead like that? Five years from now? No. Um, my my I probably have a worry uh, currently because of my age. Um, I I don't have. Currently, anything any trainees coming up through that I can see that are going to bring on the Snug brand? Um, I don't see the growth there um, but within the confines of what I have as far as a factory. We're probably at our limit, which isn't a bad thing, you know, we're all learning a, a wedge and you know, we get on with our lives. Um, so, Snug, if it was going to get say bigger, then. It would probably need maybe some investment, um, and that would have to come in from somebody who had an idea that actually we can we can use this, but we need to sell peripheral gear. You know whether it's a clothing range that doesn't involve the factory, but you could use this as the spearhead. That maybe that would that would work. It's definitely it's definitely a scaling
0: up problem that most of like I mean a lot of the surfboard. Guys in, in Aussie, you know your yeah. dolphins, new crackers, and those guys it got to the point where the the customer to customer production yeah. of boards became just it just w- was not feasible. Yeah. So therefore, production goes offshore, and in order to deal with the demand of the, and of it the, became
1: machine uh, absolutely. So you yeah. do
0: lose that that customized. It, it must be it must be a dilemma.
1: Yeah, and and that's very similar to my. Uh, in fact, I've likened snug wetsuits to a surfboard factory. A lot of the other wetsuit companies uh, can't be likened to it but because I do custom build wetsuits um, and and I'll still deal with each individual customer you know I still phone them up and they go you know and and people are surprised sometimes and I phone them up and I need to make sure that the colours are right blah 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 and if I've got any questions on the measurements And and that is the dilemma is once that personal side goes does the name go, or, or does someone take it in a different direction irrespective of what's happened before? And
0: so then it becomes like every other brand. Yeah,
1: exactly, yeah. If a, a young
0: guy or girl uh, wanted to approach you for sponsorship, what advice would you give them?
1: Right, well, I'd ask them to put some legwork in, so I'd be looking for a CV and aspirations, so, and, where they're coming from, and how good are they at what is now something which is foreign to me—the social media side? Because I see now that the youngsters are, are very good, but some of them are very good at it in a professional way. You know, there, there's—I've I've had a few people that I wouldn't say are at the top of their game, but they've actually sold wetsuits because the, their social savvy is so good that they're going, blimey, why would I not want that suit? It, it, amazing. And, and so you sell wetsuits through that type of thing. And so that social media size is quite new to me. And that's a, another learning curve that I'm gradually getting used to. I was in the Canaries um, earlier this year and I didn't have um, a WhatsApp. Or, no, it's the other one. It's the Instagram. Instagram, that's how useless I am. Instagram. And I met up with two ladies, one is a British swimmer, best backstroker we've got at the moment, and the other one is um, a world modern uh, Paralympian triathlete. She was on uh, Strictly Come Dancing, in Lauren Steadman. And those two started my Instagram because they knew how to do it and they had it set up within hours and I left it up to them. And then people that then it went out to, like Misha Wardman suddenly would say, you can use this picture, you can use that picture. And all of a sudden you've got this thing, which is just mushrooming from me just going, yeah, well, you do it. <laughs>
0: which brings me to, if you, if you had to start snug wetsuits today, is, it what, is there anything you would do differently?
1: differently. Mm. now. I've been pretty happy with what I've gone. There are things that I, I, I probably trust people too much. And I don't mean, I, when I say that, I, I trust people before I've got to know them. And, and sometimes that's come back and bit me, but not badly. Um, overall, I've probably given too many wetsuits away in the last 40 years. Um, but, you know, what am I going to do?
0: So if I ask you if there's any business regrets, that's maybe one of them.
1: Uh, yeah, that's what that's probably one of them. I don't think I've ever had a really bad business regret. You know, I, it, it's. I think probably occasionally I could have my the price of my wetsuit should be higher. For what people get from that, I mean, if you went to Savile Row and they you asked for, I want the best fabric and I want the best machinist to put this together, you would pay thousands for that because of that. Now, in wetsuit terms, and people are so used to mass production, I, can't, I couldn't suddenly sell what I'm selling at the moment for twice that. But that would make sense because I'm using the best fabrics, I've got the best machinists. I've got a wealth of experience in this factory. There's only 200 years of experience in this factory, you know, compared with others. Now, two of the girls I used to work with when I was at Gull. <laughs> That's bad. And they work for me now.
0: Incredible. Okay, what are we time we got here, 40 minutes. Um, so I want to find a little bit about, about you, aside from, from Snug. Um, so just, uh, what, what's your favorite food? If you had to go to a restaurant, restaurant of your choice, what would be, what dish are you asking for?
1: Oh, that's difficult. I love food, all sorts of food. So a really good pepperoni pizza is always, it, I, I'm always good with that, with yeah. a pint. Um, but also if I, I find a, a really good monkfish, you know, like somebody who can do that, you go to a fish restaurant and they do that. So I, 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 re- I couldn't say what is my favorite dish I tend to be all over the place with that, you know, anything from traditional, you know, I've probably had more roasts in my life than anything else. So let's put it down as a roast, and that would be a lamb roast with mint sauce.
0: You're still competing?
1: At triathlon, I am, yeah. So I'm competing. Uh, triathlon's easy to compete at because that's what triathlon is. It's a competition, you know. So if you want to do a triathlon, you have to sign up, pay your money, you go rock off and you, and you do your event. Uh, so I, I do still do that, and I'm, I'm hopefully looking at uh, the over 60s um, locally, uh, if there's an over 60s division.
0: <laughs> do you take your whistles when you go to a competition and set up a rack and so on?
1: No, no, no. Uh, I, I would, if, if I was going to do that, I wouldn't compete, so I, I, I wouldn't do that. But I am, I'm available for chat.
0: So everybody knows you as Mr. Snug, yeah? Yeah, yeah. So what do you do to relax?
1: I, I like cycling, and I love music. So I've got a huge vinyl collection, love my music, and and from, a, from cycling, I've cycled all the mountain ranges in Europe, and I, as hard as or masochistic as that might seem, it's just amazing, you know, like just... Cycling around, smelling stuff. We've gone through vineyards where you can smell the wine being made. You know, so that was great. Um, going down to Morocco surfing, oh, that is so relaxing. You know, you, you surf all day and you eat and drink all night. Well, if if you're in a town that has allows you to drink,
0: that's the beauty about living here because Europe is so close and it's. You know, to me, that's Every, like everywhere pool. is four
1: hours away. You know, Canaries are four hours away. You, you know if you want to go to beeritz, it's two hours away if you want to go to Spain it's three hours away by plane it, it, it's just such an easy place
0: and what, uh, is, what is your favorite holiday destination?
1: It is camping in the forests of France on the back of the Atlantic so that would be my favorite holiday cracking surf, beach breaks the food is good and it's in the summer the, the weather's lovely and I, and I like sleeping out. So it, it's that, that would be my favourite holiday. Yeah, uh, there is a
0: lot of French people there though, isn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah. It's a bit irritating, but hey. hey. <laughs> <laughs> only kidding, we love uh, the French. I, I was there last year, and I was there when the World Cup was going on. And I was the only... Well, me and my daughter were there, and we were the only people that were supporting England in the pub. And it was, it was a great atmosphere.
0: Right. They're making the snug movie. Who's playing
1: Malcolm Ball? Got to be James Bond, isn't it?
0: Look a bit like him, actually.
1: Has (laughs) anyone ever said that? Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Dilemma time. Right, you've just you've sold a wetsuit to a guy from India. And he absolutely loves it. Unbeknownst to you, he's filthy rich. And as a present for his incredible wetsuit, he sends you an elephant. Now you're not allowed to sell it. You're not allowed to give it away. What are you going to do with that elephant?
1: I would make sure that that elephant went back into the wild because that's where it should be. I mean, I'm I'm pretty strong-minded on that. You know, like people who keep rats and stuff in cages. No, nah, that's not on. Right. I, so I, I, like, you wouldn't stick it in a wetsuit and put it outside, no. Are we talking about a live one? <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you're talking about a, a, a wooden one, yeah, no problem, I'd just put a welcome sign on it and put it outside.
0: <laughs> no, it was a real
1: one. But, I, you know, like, like I said, I've been down to France and they still have animals in circuses, yeah. you know, tigers in cages, elephants chained up. I hate all that. Mate, anything you want to add? Well, I mean, the thing about the snug, which is why you're here, is, is I, I can't stress that what we do it's so different to what everyone else does. We make made to measure wetsuits. You know, we are the Savile Row of the wetsuit world. There's very few people left in the world doing what we do. You know, in America, I think there's only two. You know, in Australia, I think there's one, maybe two. One in New Zealand. There's so few, and everything else is mass produced. You know, I, I, think it's good that we are here doing it. But what's going to happen when I'm not here doing it?
0: Yeah, I agree. Mate, uh, I appreciate you giving me some time. Absolutely fantastic. Um, yep. Cheers, Woody. And uh, if people want to contact you, the best way is.
1: Best way is phoning zero one six three seven eight seven eight four eight eight, or emailing. So emails always good. So snug at global. They can
0: just they can just Google snug wetsuits.
1: And, yeah. yeah, all the information's there. The map to find us, and and you know, and we never put anyone off by just coming in the front door come in see what we do you know there's no pressure to sell something although we wouldn't let you out until you bought something you know but it come in see what we're doing we're an open book we've got windows on the shop so you can see what goes on we're like a great restaurant if you can't see what's getting cooked then you wonder what's going on or you can come and see what gets cooked here cool
0: thanks a take care and uh, we'll catch up soon is that a Breaking bad thing
1: Thanks, mate. All right.